1975. Spielberg has brought Jaws to the big screen, the first what you'd call summer blockbuster. In Jaws, a 25-foot great white shark, roughly the size of a school bus, 30 feet. 30 feet. Terrorizes the community of Amity. But could a larger shark be out there to terrorize the world? Have you heard the story of Megalodon? I think we're about to. (laughs) From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Megalodon is a giant shark. Supposedly it lived about 23 to 3.6 million years ago. Uh, It is regarded as extinct at this point in time by by most scientists. It was considered one of the largest and most powerful predators to ever have lived on the planet. It is known only from fragmentary remains, so the actual size and appearance are unknown. Sharks are cartilaginous fish, so their skeletons don't fossilize. The only thing that's typically found of their remains is fossilized teeth. Sharks continuously recycle their teeth throughout their lifetime, so there are tons of shark teeth out there fossilized to be found. Uh, As a matter of fact, as I did the research for this one, I could look across the room and see three specimens of megalodon tooth. Right there in your living room. In my living room. (laughs) Uh, This has been a fascination of mine for years. Now, the size of megalodon is estimated from its teeth, which people compare to the existing great white uh, and, and base their size estimates accordingly. Estimates say that it could be up to 60 feet. So you consider the length of two school buses, just over two jaws, if you will. That's a big fish. Uh, now, averages put it at, at 34 feet. Uh, some people are, are conservative in their estimates. But for the purpose of, of what we're going to talk about here, we're, we're going to go with that, that, that starting average of about 60 feet. Uh, now, some claim it could be as long as 100 feet, and maybe those teeth are actually small in comparison to what a great white has. The megalodon was a was a prolific hunter. They believe it targeted whales, seals, and sea turtles. Now, great whites are ambush predators. They'll attack from the bottom. They'll they'll dive deep and they'll come up and they'll hit their prey from underneath. Uh, if you've ever seen the special Air Jaws on Discovery Channel, they hit the seals and they come completely out of the water in the process. And that Jaws movie, that is the the movie poster itself of the chicks yeah. swimming and the jaws coming up from beneath. Now, the megalodon probably used his jaws to break through the chest cavity. The megalodon would have attacked broadside, according to, to a lot of scientists. It would have attacked, got the chest cavity, crushed the chest and the, the heart and lungs of, of its target. Uh, it would have had a, a just outrageous bite pressure to be able to do that. Uh, they believe they preferred warmer waters. They were negatively impacted by the incoming ice ages. And uh, competition for one, the modern great white drove their numbers down. The great white was a smaller predator, which means it could maneuver a lot easier than the megalodon could. I've heard that theory. And when the megalodon finally went extinct, it did affect the entire ecosystem. Uh, baleen whales, for example, grew in size without such a massive predator to to, to uh, cull their larger numbers. Now, could the megalodon still be swimming in our oceans? That's the big story. Now, most scientists will tell you that is not the case. There's no more megalodon. They went extinct 
If they existed, we would have seen they're, one by now. They're big enough. How could we miss it? Yeah, you're talking something the length of two school buses. Now, uh, they did roam warm coastal waters. Again, we would have seen one. But there's a category of creatures known as Lazarus taxon. And that is a species that appears to have gone extinct and is then found alive again. The Megamouth shark was virtually unknown until 1976. It's a shark up to 15 feet in size. So that shows you right there that a large shark can go unnoticed for, for quite a long time. Hard to argue. The coelacanth was believed to go extinct 65 million years ago until they caught one off the coast of South Africa in 1938. This is an armored bony fish we had only known through the fossil record until, you know, local fishermen pulled one from the depths. Giant squids and, and their cousin, the colossal squids, you know, we'd never seen a giant squid alive until 2004 when one was filmed. They get up to 30 feet. That's a pretty big predator that no one had seen until 2004. We knew they existed. But More the old legends of the giant kraken. And the colossal squid, also very, very big predator, 1925. And we still know very little bit about that. Uh, they are, of course, believed to have inspired the legends of the kraken. Yes. Now, there are occasionally reports of sharks that are 30 foot long or longer. But now for the evidence. Does, great, does the megalodon still swim in the ocean? Is it still out there? Is it Inquiry still Inquiring minds want to know. Now, there are reports of teeth that are relatively fresh, such as those dredged up by the HMS Challenger in 1875, a British ship. They dredged up a pair of megalodon teeth, large, large teeth that they knew were bigger than great white teeth at the time. In 1959, a Dr. W, and I'm going to butcher the name, <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> Chernezky of London's Queen Mary College dated the teeth and determined that they were only 11,000 to 24,000 years old. Now, that already tightens the gap between when they believe Megalodon went extinct to when it to when these teeth were supposedly fresh. Now, I had also read somewhere something about the Megalodon teeth, the way they're fossilized. It can be a little tricky sometimes in dating them. Uh, yeah, that's the manganese dioxide dating, which is what they use, is, is often unreliable, especially when they date shark teeth. Shark teeth are very resilient, and so the fossilization process is, is not you know, is easily dated for them as they are for, for a lot of other fossils. So you, you're right on that one. Uh, so there, there's, there's doubt that those are true. But if we keep going, we're going to talk about some actual sightings. Ooh, juicy stuff. 1918. We got a couple of sightings, actually. First one, 1918, but a couple from Australia. And just to talk about Australia for a minute, you've got a continent where virtually everything wants you dead. Absolutely. Spiders, snakes. You've got the suicide tree where if you get stabbed by it, you want to die. <laughs> and the pain can last for years, I understand. And then if you get offshore, you've got crocodiles, and you've got the little box jellyfish, the blue-ringed octopus that'll both kill you. You get out there far enough, you've got great whites, and maybe, maybe, maybe the megalodon. megalodon out there. It's a great place for a summer house. In 1918, Australian naturalist David Stead and a local, local fisheries inspector, Mr. Patton, uh, recorded an events that caused the local crayfish fishermen to refuse to go back into the water. They did their fishing out in deep water with these big crayfish pots. They're over three foot in diameter and very heavily, very heavy when loaded with catch. They refused to go out because they saw what they believed to be a massive shark that had taken their gear, demolished their gear, taken the pots the whole nine yards, just off Broughton Island. Now, these men were men familiar with the sea. They were out on the ocean all the time. That was where they made their living. They'd seen sharks. They'd seen whales. They'd seen these, these you know, various sea creatures. Uh, but this encounter scared them so badly that they refused to go back to work for days. They, they described the head alone was at least as long as the roof of a wharf shed at Nelson's Bay. Now, as far as comparisons go, 
I don't know how big that shed was. I'm not familiar with Nelson's Bay. Don't have any pictures of that. Uh, they believe it was around 115 feet, pure white in color. Uh, these are, of course, outrageous dimensions, but possibly exaggerated. We talked in the Unexplained Missouri Waters that, that a lot of experts say that, that people tend to exaggerate the size of a creature when they see it underwater by as much as 50% at times. So even if that were the case, you know, this, this fish could easily have been in the 60-foot range. Pure white in color is notable because in nature, albinism is sort of a curse. A lot of creatures don't survive when they're pure white. It draws attention to them. Absolutely. No camouflage um, whatsoever. Yeah, they tend to be eaten by predators fairly quickly. Now, let me interrupt you there. I, you had mentioned the Australia area. Um, I had found a reference in a book uh, written in 1978. It's called Let's Go Fossil Shark Tooth Hunting. Uh, that was by author B.C. Cartmel, and he describes an alleged incident that took place off the edge of Australia's Great Barrier Reef, the area yeah. that you were talking about, in the 1960s. I don't yep. know if you had that. I'm going to steal that one from you. Well, that's all right. <laughs> um, according to Cartmel, the sailors uh, involved initially, uh, they refused to even talk about it. They were afraid of the incident. They feared that they were going to be teased and mocked. But after a period of time, they admitted that their 85-foot ship was forced to weigh anchor for engine repairs. The captain and the crew were shocked to see a gargantuan, what they described as a white shark, kind of similar to what you were describing. And the, the white color comes up again. Again, slowly swim past their ship. And from what I understand, it had struck their ship. They didn't know what they had hit. They thought possibly a reef had dropped anchor. And then as they're trying to figure out what's going on, you'll peer off to the side and here's this... Their 85-foot ship and a white shark in color swims slowly past like it's circling them as prey. It rivaled the boat size, obviously. So they're saying it was larger than 85-foot. And all of these guys were professional fishermen. They were, you know, out of the ocean, and they said it was definitely not a whale. And a lot of people, they dismiss it. Oh, it was just a whale. They said, absolutely, you know, these are the guys that are out here seeing this stuff every day. So, again, there's just another sighting off of that area. My understanding of that is the crew absolutely refused to discuss it after the fact. It was the captain who eventually told that story. They they wanted to work, and they were afraid something like that might cast some, some doubts on their sea, seaworthiness. Ah, discredit entirely. Makes sense. Uh, but the captain, yeah, he was, a, he was an experienced seaman. He'd been out there for years. He knew most every whale and shark by sight that was local to the area. And yeah, I mean, they described a shark that was at least 85 feet long. And then again, white in coloration. And like we said, albinism is, is a curse in, in the wild. That, that is a guaranteed death sentence for most creatures because it, it draws the predators. We've, we've talked about before, especially with water, how things can be misconstrued, you know, possibly as much as 50%. But again, I'm thinking, okay, we're sailors out here on this ship. And you know your ship is 85 foot and you look off the side, you kind of have a good point of reference how big that no. thing might be that's swimming just beneath you. I, I'm, I'm going to be on the side that says, okay, maybe it wasn't 85, maybe it was 95, maybe it was 75, but that's still a mighty big white-colored shark. Yeah, I mean, that's it's impressive. That is impressive. Well, I've got another sighting here. We're going to jump up a few years. This is 2003. Well, okay, this is, this is not quite a sighting but as much as a scientific logging of unusual events. A tagged nine-foot great white shark. Uh, they, they'd put some sort of tracker on it that, that would relay information about the temperature of the water around the shark, 
the depths at which the shark had swam, and its location, obviously, so they could track the beacon. shark. Sure. Uh, this shark was attacked suddenly by a mysterious predator, according to the uh, the black box, if you will. I'm going to call it the black box. It just seems like an easy, yeah, yeah. easy, easy slang term. Uh, the shark suddenly and rapidly was pulled to a depth of about 2,000 feet, which is outside that shark's comfort zone, to say the least. Yet the temperature monitored by the tracker continued to rise until it became consistent with the inside of a large animal. Now, this temperature would have been too low to be a killer whale, which is a known predator of, of sharks. Okay. Uh, it would have been too high for any other known shark. Uh, now, there are those who claim that this particular shark could have been suffering from a, a form of gigantism, an accelerated metabolism, so it would have raised the internal body temperature. But still, it, it's a, a shark big enough to uh, attack and eat, you know, eat, basically, a nine-foot shark. Uh, that, that seems pretty big. Well, as we were talking before, yeah, I mean, a, a nine-foot shark, you're at least 20-something, you would think, something before it would think, hey, this nine-foot shark's prey, it's something I can take down. Yeah, and typically in fish, I mean, you have to be substantially larger before you consider something prey. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, one of my favorite ones that I found in the process of, of, of researching this one, and I thought I had heard every Megalodon story there was. Again, this is a story that I've been fascinated with for a long time. I know this is right up your alley. You love Megalodons. <laughs> yeah. 2013, 50 miles north of Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, off the coast of Canada, there was a massive shark was seen to drag the carcass of a sperm whale underwater after apparently killing it. Sperm whales are not small. Yeah. And they themselves are, are a pretty significant ocean predator. Witnesses described, uh, witnesses that have lived on the coast their whole lives say they'd never seen a shark's fin as large as the, the shark tail that broke the surface as it pulled the whale underneath. Uh, with one man describing it as the width of a fishing boat, a small fishing boat. Uh, the corpse of that particular whale washed up about an hour or so after this alleged attack on shore, and it was examined by marine biologist Robert Culper. He said it appeared as if the entire lower third of the whale had been dissected in a single bite. Wow. A large tooth measuring 7.5 inches, 7.5 inch tooth, had been found in the whale's spine. Now, as someone who has personally looked into megalodon teeth on a very regular basis, and even the one I own is about 5 inches, and that, that's a pretty sizable tooth, covers a big part of your hand. Like, yeah, size of your palm. Seven plus teeth are almost unheard of in the fossil record. I've actually been told, um, I don't know how scientific it is, let me state that, but basically as you measure the tooth at the angle from the base up to the point, approximately for every inch, they're thinking that would be a, a dimension of 10 feet. I know my wife and I, we traveled to North Carolina just last year and uh, was lucky enough to meet up with uh, two professional divers. I gotta, I gotta say this, this story makes me jealous when you tell it. Oh, well, it makes me happy to make you jealous. <laughs> We uh, actually, my wife also kind of likes the Megalodon, not to the point that Bill does, <laughs> but um, I had secretly arranged for this meeting to kind of take place and to go purchase some Megalodon fossils. And uh, again, this is a couple, husband and wife. Um, he is a uh, retired Navy diver, uh, owns three, I believe, of his own uh, now ships that basically take care of salvage crew kind of uh, operations but uh, one of the side operations that they do is they dive for megalodon teeth and then they resell them on the market super nice people they invited us to their house i was just it was crazy it was like a museum at their house um, he has dove all over the world 
actually has all kinds of artifacts from shipwrecks. But we walked into the back room area, and they're like, you're going to want to see this. I want to see it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my wife's and my mouth hit the floor. We walked into the back room, and I kid you not, there was probably 500 megalodon teeth. And they have them categorized by the sizes. And, and yeah, the largest they had found to date was about a six and a half inch. Um, and they, we also kind of talk, well, how big can these get? Well, you know, it's my do. understanding that anything five foot or, or five foot, five foot, <laughs> that would be huge. Anything five inches in, in that community is considered large. Yes, absolutely correct. Um, and they said, yeah, like, I, I don't remember the exact, but like six inches, just right over six inches was the largest they had ever found. They find a lot of three inch, three and a half, you know, pushing four, uh, like you said, you get up into the five inches and stuff. And that's kind of how they value, uh, obviously, the rare ones. Oh, yeah. A, a pristine seven-inch tooth is oh, like tens of thousands. Yeah, of almost dollars. untouchable for folks like us. It was it was interesting talking with them. Um, where they find this is diving off of North Carolina coast. It seems to be one of the hot spots. You had mentioned the megalodons uh, seem to like kind of uh, shallower waters, warmer waters. And he said most of the teeth and the diving that they find is actually in about 30 to 50 foot deep water. Uh, and underneath the, uh, the ocean, basically, he says it's, there's cliffs and bluffs. And he would find a lot of these basically secured to the cliff area. And you'd have to chisel them up. I mean, it's not like you just dive down and you know, start picking them up and throwing them into a bucket. Um, but he told us a story. And, I mean, again, I, I hold this credible. This is an ex- Navy diver who still does this today. And he says, I'm going to tell you what he goes, uh, I, I'm not going to say Megalodon exists today, but he goes, I have been diving many days of the week. And he said, there was one particular time that uh, he was trying to pull up. He'd found a couple teeth and he said, uh, a giant shadow came across him from up above. He thought it was a ship. It was so large. And he said, you kind of get that eerie feeling that somebody's watching me or something's watching me. And, you know, he kind of turned around and looked and his ship was directly above him where it had always been. And it was still there and the shadow was gone. So something swam through that area. And he said, I surfaced immediately. <laughs> he said, it scared the heck out of me. He goes, thank goodness I was in the water because there may have been some additional liquids put into the water <laughs> at said time. Uh, but he was telling us... Uh, megalodon teeth throughout its lifetime uh, they speculate would have shed as many as 20,000 teeth for a single megalodon in its life well that's that's why shark teeth are such a common fossil because sharks just continuously recycle teeth uh, you know and that's one of the arguments that a lot of the scientists say well if megalodon still existed we would find fresh teeth not you know not fossilized and where i was going with this is when you said that they found the sperm whale and they actually found a teeth stuck in the spine. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and well, and I, I couldn't find any more on this particular story. Uh, just to jump back to that real quick, according to Robert Culper, the marine biologist, the culprit of that attack would have had to have been 100 feet long with a bite radius of 7 to 8 feet. 7 to 8 so feet. 100 feet is pushing that upper limit of what people believe a megalodon could be. Wow. So... You're talking just a hugely massive shark. And what Again, year was this? What uh, year was this? This was in uh, 2013, supposedly. And like I said, this was all I could find on this particular story. So Wow. If Again, if you were going to measure it in Jaws, that's four Jaws. Four. Four Jaws. Jaws. 
house. <laughs> um, now we're gonna we're gonna drift a little bit south of there to the Sea of Cortez, where there have been sightings of massive sharks for years. Uh, you can't really peg it to any one year because they keep seeing them all the time. Uh, locals have dubbed this particular beast the Black Demon. Love so that name, the Black Demon. We're getting away from that white coloration to, to more of a black color here. They claim it is three times larger than any of the biggest great whites known in that area. Uh, and they blame it for decimating uh, local marine mammal populations. They say it, it just comes in and, and gorges itself. I can understand why. Uh, again, this time it's black in coloration. Now, whale sharks have a dark coloration. Uh, they have a broad head on them. They've got a, they're darker. I don't want to say they're black, but they're a darker color. And then they had, tend to have white spots. Uh, some supposed megalodon sightings that I came across, the descriptions fit whale sharks almost to a T, but this one just says black. It doesn't talk about any, any spots, spots or, or, anything. or anything like that. Gotcha. Or a broad head. Now, uh, could they still be out there surviving? I did read an article published just a couple of years ago or no, the end of 2019, said there have been a lot of strange and unusual whale uh, attacks on whales in equatorial, equator area waters. Now, though, those would be warmer waters. Absolutely. They find whale carcasses uh, where whales have been killed or whales that have been injured, wounded, or maimed by a predator significant, of significant size. Uh, there are scientists out there who believe that it is possible. Of course, they're in the minority at this point in time. I believe it is possible there is a giant predatory shark out there. There's, of course, one theory that says maybe they survived by swimming down to the depths of the Marianas Trench. You know, some of the deepest parts on our planet in the ocean are volcanic, so they do maintain warmer temperatures. That particular theory, you know, who, who knows? That could have been inspired by uh, Steve Alton, who wrote The Meg, uh, the movie based off of, of that novel, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a Jason Statham fan. It, it, you go into that movie, and it is everything it promises to be. A giant shark eating people. And a lot of action. And, and a lot of action. <laughs> well, it's Jason Statham. It is Jason Statham. I have been fascinated, basically, with sharks my entire life. Uh, and, and then, the, you know, the, the existence of Megalodon. I, I'm a monster guy. I think I talked about that. I, I'm fascinated by creatures, sea creatures especially. You know, we, we know more about space than we do about the depths of the oceans on our own planet. So much untapped of the oceans. Yeah. I mean, well, seriously. One one of the, the things um, that, that kind of almost broke my heart when I was doing the research was people talked about if Megalodon was real, what would we do? It's a giant shark. It's a giant predatory beast. And one of the first things they said was the amount of shark fin soup that could be made from a Megalodon. They said they would probably hunt them to extinction if they ever discovered they existed. So it's... Sort of a mixed bag of emotions. Like, I would love to see footage of this beast. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I, I've repeatedly said I would go to Jurassic Park if they opened it tomorrow. Even knowing. <laughs> you saw well, all the movies. Yeah, you know the way this I've, turns out. I've seen every movie. I know I'm going to get eaten by a T-Rex. <laughs> but I would still go to Jurassic Park. Oh, the well, experience. In, in, in Meg, they build an aquarium. And it's the same thing. Yes. If they open an aquarium with a megalodon shark in it, I would go to that aquarium. You would be like the little girl and the glass cracking behind you and be oh. like, oh, yeah, grab my camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of heartbreaking to think, like, yeah, if, they, if, we did, if it is real and it is out there, that people automatically just assume it would be hunted to extinction. It's sad. It uh, is sad. That, that's, that's kind of the way we are now. And, and that's what we do best. That's what we do. Yeah, we, we ruin our environment. You know, when they when they dig, dive down to the Marianas Trench and you find a, a plastic bag down at the deepest point of our planet, 
you know, you find microplastics at the highest point of, of, of the highest mountain. I mean, we can pretty much screw up anything at this point. Yeah, yeah, we, we get around. But I, I would love to see one of these things. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a boat. I'll give you that. I, I would definitely <laughs> settle for the aquarium experience. I know in a lot of the reference drawings while I was doing research, it showed, um, you know, many scientists' interpretations of the size, which is still kind of up in the air of the megalodon. But uh, everything I saw, you mentioned the large fin that, that had surfaced. The size of a, a regular human, and again, I'll throw out five foot, ten, six foot, would be like the agreed minimal height of the fin. Yeah. I mean, so... To kind of put that into perspective, you're out on a boat, Bill's out on a sightseeing cruise trying to find a megalodon on the way to Jurassic Park, and he's got his camera out, and this fin surfaces. The height of a man, I mean, the scientists agree, that yeah. would be, that's an agreeable amount. That is a huge shark. And and you, you had mentioned a lot of the stuff are, is trying to be dismissed as whale sharks, and you know way more about sharks than, than I do, but my own research... One of the things that stood out to me to whale sharks are they eat plankton. Yeah, they're they're a filter feeder. They're a basking that, shark. That doesn't explain these huge sperm whales that literally three-quarters of their underbelly is taken out. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm sorry, that doesn't add up scientifically to a whale shark. Yep. Yeah, I mean, or, or even, you know, the, the black demon decimating the local mammal population. It's not plankton. He's he's not he, a whale shark. Isn't going to run those those beasts those, those animals off. They know they're safe. Yes. So what, you you got to explain these things. Yeah, something just doesn't quite add up there. There there definitely may be a little bit of merit to that. So is is it out there? Is it not out there? I mean we we don't have the evidence for that. I know one of the the articles I read is it maybe twenty twenty would be the year. That was the exact quote. Maybe twenty or twenty will be the year we prove they're out there. We're here. I'm going to tell you right now if if that happens. I like I, I will be beside myself. There'll be a whole new conversation. You know, maybe maybe it's not gonna we're we're not gonna run into the, one of these on the highway, but that's definitely another one of our tales. Absolutely, this is yet another tale of nightmares on the lost highway. Thank you very much, folks, for joining us. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. Uh, um, he's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that. Also, would like to say, if you're interested in uh, taking a listen to our local band, Phantom Sam, who has provided our uh, Nightmares on the Lost Highway theme song, if you will, uh, we will be sharing a link on our Facebook page. Uh, if you would love to go check out their unique sound, they've got some wonderful stuff going on. So we appreciate our support for us, um, and also we would appreciate support for them as well. Thank you very much. <laughs>